Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What a game we enjoyed from the Premier League this morning as we get a midweek fixture overload to get us through the festive season. David Wiener back with you for this episode of The Gagging Pod, joined by John Aloisi, Thomas Sorensen. We'll also hear from Harry Kuehl with his verdict on the blockbuster clash from England. And we'll hear a little bit from Jose Mourinho and Jurgen Klopp as well. So much to talk about. Let's get stuck right into it. Gents, great to see you both. What an exciting morning. So much going on. Uh, football left, right and centre. John, uh, Liverpool obviously and Spurs front and centre. What took your fancy this morning across Europe, actually? Well, uh, definitely the Liverpool-Tottenham game because there was so much riding on it, <clears throat> contrasting in styles. Um, who was going to come out on top? Liverpool ended up coming out on top, but it could have easily gone the other way if Tottenham took their chances in the second half. Um, and also Barcelona winning back on track, along with Real Madrid, who won yesterday. Um, so La Liga is uh, hotting up again. So they're the two main things that probably um, I was focusing on this morning. Yeah, goals flying in left, right and centre. And Thomas, for you, how, was your, how, how, how much did you get to take in this morning? You know, obviously, uh, all eyes on, on the Liverpool game. I thought, um, you know, like Jonas said, uh, great tactical battle, uh, two different styles. You know, the, the, the back eight of, of Tottenham, uh, just <laughs> minimizing space and, and passing lanes. And then, you know, Liverpool try to, you know, find a way through. And, and then the, the threat on, on the counter, uh, you know, just any sort of slight mistake in the build-up. Uh, sorry, Tottenham was there. And, uh, yeah, Bergwijn. Crucial miss, uh, crucial miss there halfway through the second half. He could have uh, buried Liverpool. John, what a game. What a contrast in styles. Uh, fair result, right winner? Oh, look, if you go on clear-cut chances, you probably have to say Tottenham had the clearer of the chances. Um, if you go on uh, controlling a football game, you, you, Liverpool controlled it. I thought Liverpool dominated, of course, possession. They created a lot of good chances and they got into really good areas. Um, for me personally, I like that way of football more. I think that the, the way of football Mourinho plays, you have to be very clinical in, in the way you, you finish off your chances because you're going to get very few. Um, and they have been clinical the whole season so far. I think they're up there with the best percentage of uh, finishing off their opportunities. So, um, look, I, I think that... Uh, a draw might have been a fairer result, but how can you take it away from Liverpool? Because they kept on going. They kept on trying. They kept on probing. Um, I thought uh, there were some standout players. I thought Salah was always dangerous. I thought Curtis Jones, I think he's coming into his own. I, you know, I think that he's grown into that role. Um, you know, 
at the back, they didn't make too many mistakes, even though young Reese Williams, you know, you, you thought that he would struggle against the likes of Kane and Son. But the one time that they did make a mistake, they got in uh, Tottenham. And, um, yeah, you know, it was an interesting game, interesting battle. But the battle off the pitch was even more interesting than the one on the pitch with uh, Mourinho and Klopp. But we can go into more detail about that later. We sure will. We sure uh, Thomas, just on the way, uh, we know and we knew that Mourinho was going to sit back and absorb and look for that classic sucker punch. But were you surprised to the extent that he indulged Liverpool to, I think, 79% of the ball at one point, um, literally zero shots on target before Son did bop up. Sissoko, back at right back, and probably Jurgen Klopp, probably out Fox Mourinho in that regard. Were you surprised by the extent to which Mourinho applied it? And did it cost him in that first half? No, I think it, it obviously, um, you know, it's the confidence that he has in, in, in the shape of the team, the discipline. Uh, but, but one thing that struck me was, I think it was halfway through the second half when the stats popped up on the screen. And, and it was a 75-25 in both halves uh, at that time. And that, that really struck me. That, that is a very significant difference. Uh, and, and something you, you, you wouldn't normally see in uh, top one and two major class of the season. Uh, and, but again, you know, I think they, they did a tremendous job at, at shutting it down. Um, probably the only time they got through was when Curtis Jones got in and, and the two Tottenham defenders, you know, got, you know, tangled up and, and it went to Salah and he had a bit of luck with his strike. I think otherwise, you know, it was sort of mainly shots uh, through legs and, 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 you know, Lloris had a couple of, of good saves uh, through the house. But I think overall, the most disappointing thing from Mourinho will be that they concede from a corner soft. Uh, you know, and the barrel, I thought he, 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 he was poorly positioned, slipped a bit and, uh, you know, just uh, a bit of a lack of concentration laid on and that cost them. Now, a little bit earlier, I caught up with Socceroos legend and former Liverpool player Harry Kuehl for his verdict on the game. And he was absolutely delighted that it was Roberto Firmino who stood up for the winner. The reason why the champions is because they keep pushing. They keep pushing, 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 pushing. And they, they worked it. They, they, they worked the ball. I felt they could have been a lot quicker in, in some areas. Um, but Mane was, was trying. Uh, everyone was trying to get something. And, you know, for all the defending they did, I think Eric Dyer had a little slip and Firmino got the run on him. And it was a superb header. And I'm very happy for, for Firmino because he gets a lot of stick wearing that number nine shirt. Um, and I, I think, I know everyone obviously knows the work rate that he does off the ball and he's assisting that, but everyone wants more goals. Um, but he came up with the goods tonight. And like I said, I'm so happy for him. And like I said, I, it was an exciting game, um, but I'm, I'm very happy that Liverpool came out with the three points now and sitting clearly on top of the table. Yeah, John, and that's really in conclusion. Spurs might be knocking on the door. They might be the title contenders, but even decimated by injury, Liverpool, they've still got that something else, don't they? Yeah, because they've got that front three. Um, you know, also in the midfield, let's, let's not, uh, you know, take away uh, one out and what a difference he's making this season. Henderson, we know he's a leader. We know what he gives uh, the Liverpool midfield. And um, and also, I mentioned before, Curtis Jones, he's really stepped up when he's, he's had the opportunity. So they've still got a very strong side, even though with all the injuries, I thought they might struggle a little bit more at the back. Mourinho tried to go very direct. That's probably the most direct I've seen 
um, Tottenham play this season, and they caught him out a couple of times. You know, the the chance that Bermoy went there when he hit the post, you know, it was a flick on to another flick on in getting in behind one-on-one with a goalkeeper. And then let's not forget Kane's opportunity. You yeah, know, the after. difference between Liverpool and Tottenham was Firmino's header was a bullet header into the back of the net and Kane uh, misjudged it a little bit and headed it down um, and uh, didn't get the connection he wanted. You know, they could have easily gone the other way. So why don't we have a listen to what Jose Mourinho made of the game now that we've heard what you two gentlemen think. Jose, so close. How do you sum up tonight? So close of winning. Yeah, not so close of, 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 of a draw, so close of winning. A very, very unfair result. You had a word with Jurgen Klopp at the end. What were you I saying? told him the best, the best team lost and um, he disagreed, but uh, that's his opinion. Um, uh, by the way, if, uh, if I behave the same way on the touchline like he does, I have no chance to stay there and I'm out for, for, for a minute. In, in what minute sense? After. Because Jürgen was very animated at the end of the first no, come half. come on. Is That's that... animated. Mm. That's animated. Mm. Or do you want me to take the, the, you say... the table with the, with the time from the fourth official hands to see what happens to me? You say it's overstepping the mark. No, I'm saying that, uh, that for some reason I am different. That's the only thing I say. And that's sad. All right. I'll just throw it open, Thomas, your reaction to... Because uh, we saw Mourinho have, have words to Klopp after the game and Klopp looked like he was thinking, what, what language are you speaking? Um, what, do you, what do you make of uh, that post-match analysis as only Jose Mourinho can? <laughs> you know, but that, that's the fun and games and, and that's Mourinho in a nutshell, I think. You know, uh, you know he sees it from his perspective and, and, and to some extent, you, you know, they did, you know carry out that game plan to, to perfection until the last minute. I think, uh, you know, Johnny highlighted the chances they, um, they missed. Um, they could easily have been in front and, and then it would have been a, a masterclass uh, from, from Mourinho. So it, it was a very tight game. Uh, uh, you know, again, either way, one point was probably the, you know, the, the correct score, but uh, you know, Liverpool are champions and they're champions for a reason. And they, they have that quality at the right time and uh, popped up. And, you know, that deserves a winner when you take your chances. What I love about it, Dave, it's not the happy Mourinho anymore. It's the Mourinho with the bit between his teeth that knows that he's got an opportunity this season to do something. Um, you know, saying to Klopp, uh, it's a bit of tongue in cheek because I, I think he knows that he wants to see how Klopp will react to his way of um, winding him up, you know, saying, oh, the better team lost. He didn't need to say that, but he, he's doing it not for this game. He's doing it for the next game and, and for games in the future. And also, um, you know, complaining about the way Klopp was on the sideline. And he also mentioned the, and he didn't mention his name about Guardiola about touching the mm. you know the fourth official's board you know if he did something like that he would be sent to the stand so he's having a go at two direct rivals because he knows that he's in with a shout this season and I think that's why he's doing it so on that then is this like the point away at your rival we know from all the years of Mourinho that's for him like that's the bonus like that's him he knows he walks away from there and and, and where he gets his other results from is this style, we know he's in a race, is this a style sustainable to actually knock off the others and, and claim sort of Tottenham history? Uh, look, I think uh, when you've got Son and Kane that you know you can rely on, yes, it, it's sustainable for a season. 
I don't know how long you can actually get your players to defend for 90 minutes each game. Uh, okay, not against the, the the lesser sides, but, you know, they've gone there. And you're talking about Kane that touches the ball very rarely um, that used to, under Pochettino, dominate, even go out against a, a Liverpool side and try and press them. So um, I think they can do it this season. I don't know if he can sustain it for more than one season. They're not a little pony, though, are they, Thomas? <laughs> no, uh, you know, again, you know, when, you, when you're winning, you can play any style of football and, and players will buy in. And, you know, again, you know, if, if things start to go sour, then, you know, you, you will see a Kane or, you know, a Son, you know, starting to potentially, you know, question it. But, you know, I, I think Son is crucial. You know, yes, Kane is is the a provider and he's also the goal scorer. But but again, you see today the movement of Son, the understanding, uh, you know, his timing. You know, for the first goal, what what a you know his run, just uh, he popping out into space. So and and we saw that you know when he was injured last season. You know, he's he's crucial to them. I think he's probably maybe in my view even more important than than Kane is. And you never see him really miss a one-on-one. He, he gets in those positions and you put your house on it. it uh, whereas when Bergwijn went through one-on-one, you was like, oh, I don't really think he's going to score this. Whereas Son, he, he very rarely misses. He's up there, especially this season, with probably the five best players in Europe in the world, I, I think. I think that uh, Thomas is right. You know, Son is very underrated, probably because he's not a, a, you know, from a European powerhouse. Mm-hmm. But what he provides on the pitch each game is phenomenal. Any other closing thoughts from the for the game, gents? I know if, if you'd come from Mars and never seen either side before, that first half pretty much tells you anything you need to know about both sides this season and both managers. Um, but we did learn a lot. It was compelling, even though it wasn't necessarily like a basketball game. It was just so interesting to watch. Um, any final thoughts or observations from you? I think that um, this is scary for the rest of the comp that Liverpool was still top of the table of all the injuries they've had. Um, you know, wait till you get Thiago back in midfield. Um, you know, at the back, they're still playing a young kid and, and also um, Fabinho, who's actually a midfielder. So, you know, uh, it's frightening to see how Liverpool was still top of the table and all the injury concerns um, that they've had over the past. So th- th- this, is a, this is a statement for the rest of the comp. And, uh, and I think Liverpool so far, uh, everything that's thrown at them, they're coming up with the answers. Yeah, and, and for my view, just to, you know, just to have the wing-backs, I think they're, they're so important, like Trent uh, Alexander-Arnold and, and Robertson, both of them in the team uh, at the right time, I think. So much comes from from their overlapping and, and getting into the final third and, and getting the crosses in and you know uh, so that that means that they can handle you know the two centre halves probably not being their best um, you know uh, pairing because uh, everything else you know they got so much quality and as John said even you know players in midfield to come back. Now earlier in the morning uh, we'll run through uh, the rest of the, the games for you. Today, um, earlier in the morning, Southampton could have temporarily gone top of the table, um, but they, of course, drew with Arsenal. Boy, Arsenal fans, boy, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, boy, Miguel Arteta will be so relieved to have got that point. Um, John, 
we, we've been spared talking about Arsenal a little bit because the Gagan pods, the last three weeks, have all been off the back of Champions League match days. I tell you what, they are so far from being talked about on a Champions League match day. What, what, what does Arteta do from here? I think he has to go along the same path and, and try and get the the players, their belief back because they started the season, well, we started season well, they won their first game and then, you know, everyone thought, yeah, they're, they're going to be Champions League contenders. Um, also, you know, winning a couple of major trophies helped him uh, and then they just lost their way. I think they've lost their way because they don't score enough goals. That's the, that's the main thing. And, uh, and the big part of that is Aubameyang. Aubameyang hadn't scored from open play since the, the first game of the season against Fulham. It was good for his confidence and Arsenal's confidence that he scored this morning. But he needs to make some big calls. And, and look, I don't, I don't like to criticise individuals too much. But um, I think now it's time for Zaka to actually... Arteta needs to make a big call with him because he let him down badly last game, you know, getting sent off stupidly, The you know, with that experience when they're dominating against a Burnley side, which they should have won. Another red card today. I think that's eight red cards all up uh, since Arteta's taken over. I've got seven in the last year. So seven yeah. or eight, but it's whatever it is, it's more than anyone else and it's too many. Yeah. And, and, and I think a lot of that's got to do that they're trying too hard to actually get results because they're not getting it. You know, there's things that they're, they're, they're you know, that when things don't go their way, they're doing something that, uh, you know, experienced players shouldn't do. So um, good result this morning because Southampton are a very good side mm. and they came from behind and they got a goal, which they hadn't really scored many of in recent times. So, look, I think you have to give Arteta still more time to turn that around and uh, and hopefully they give him at least to the end of the season and start to see positive results come back. He, he did drop um, Rillian and uh, Lacazette this morning, Thomas. So they're obviously, you know, really obvious that something had to change. Um, is that the way forward? The, the, the veterans not um, giving him what he needs and Ketia finally gets his chance up top today? Yeah, you, you get to a point where, you know, names doesn't matter. Like you need players with confidence. You need players uh, who perform. <laughs> Ultimately, they, it, it comes down to points. And uh, I don't think Billion uh, and like I said, has been good enough. And, and you got young players, uh, Niketa, who's, who's, who's I think, um, has, has shown up well. Um, and you need suppliers to to Aubameyang. You know, I think the goal they scored this morning, I think, was reminiscent a little bit of of previous Arsenal, you know, build-ups mm. and, you know, through the middle, you know, quick passing, uh, interchanging, and then, you know, he, he gets in the box and, and that's where he's good. You know, he, he doesn't miss, uh, you know, many from, from those positions. You know, so, uh, you know, it just seems, again, experienced players and, and when you see the discipline start slipping, I think you, you, there's, from experienced players like Johnny mentioned with with Shaka and, and getting sent off and, and Gabriel again this this morning, you know it, it, you, you gotta you gotta make changes. You know you gotta get players in there that you can trust that they can do the job for you without compromising um, you know the team. It doesn't get any easier for them, Dave. They no. got to go away to Everton, <laughs> who Everton yeah. have hit form again. And look, we'll, we'll talk about Everton later, but. It, Hummers out of the side, Everton turned the corner. Mm. Uh, and again, I'm a big fan of Hummers, but maybe he was holding him back a little bit defensively, but uh, two great results for them. 
Before we touch on uh, Everton, I do want to ask you. Just, I, I, I don't want this all to be about Arsenal. I, I want to uh, watching Southampton this morning passing the ball with pleasure around the Emirates Stadium, sixty-five percent of it as well. They'll probably be a bit annoyed that that, that they walked away with a point. Funnily enough, um, John Ralph Hasenhutl, he, he's just he's doing a magnificent job there. A brilliant job. You know, we, we spoke about it last year, maybe a reliance on Danny Ings to score the goals. Um, but this year, you know, Ward Prowse has stepped up, uh, Jay Adams has stepped up, and and then uh, what a finish from Theo Walcott this morning. Great run, great finish, you know, reminiscent of when he first burst into the Arsenal side all those years ago. So I, I you have to give credit to uh, Hussein what a What a job he's done there. But also the club for backing him, you know, when he he had that really bad result last year against Leicester. I know we always bring it up, but that was a turning point. I think it was a turning point because that, uh, you know, the club showed faith. They, they, they could see what he was trying to do. And then the players, you know, realised, OK, this is the man that's going to take us forward. And they bought into what he was trying to do. And um They've been really, really good. They, they, they've been good value for the, where they are. It, mm. It's it's not lucky. You know, you, you, occasionally you might get a result that go your way when you're not playing well, but they're playing great football and defending really well as well now. Yeah, so what's realistic for them, Thomas? Everyone sort of tipped a bolter this year because of the way the season was, and we're about to talk about Everton and Leicester probably being the two teams that everyone, the, the majority of people did throw up. What's... What's now par or, or, or realistic for Southampton? No, I think definitely <clears throat> top six is realistic. Um, you know, top four, can they sustain, um, you know, the, the work ethic and, and, and confidence and, and all the things and avoid injuries uh, for the rest of the season? Who knows? Um, you know, I think this, you know, obviously, as, as always, this Christmas period will, will be telling for a lot of teams and, and, and so it will for, for Southampton. But what they've done so far, like Johnny said, you gotta have huge respect for Hasenhüttl and 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 you know just the blueprint he drew up for the whole club and how how they, how he wanted the players, you know, and the teams all the way through from from youth level to play and how they were gonna identify players, not necessarily you know by star quality, but players that could fit into that system, you know to you know, to know that Southampton, it's not a club that's going to go out and spend a hundred million on Jaden Sancho. You know, they need to find players that suit their system. Uh, and, uh, you know, that takes, you know, that takes courage and, and vision. And, and, and I think he's, he's proven that, that that's possible to, to do for on a smaller budget. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So Leicester and Everton, which you alluded to, John, um, two fantastic results for Everton. Defensive foundation again, and you touched on it, Jamez, you foreshadowed it. Um, Ancelotti has found the balance is he going to have to try and fix it or is this actually the balance that's going to work over this very busy period? Uh, it's, 
difficult to to just pinpoint Nina Hammers. You know, it's easy to say because they've got two great results when he hasn't been playing. And um, but at the beginning of the season, you know, he was he was starting and they were getting good results as well. They also changed their system uh, the last couple of games to a back four again. So maybe the players are a little bit more comfortable with that. Um, and and you know. Rich Olsen coming back into the side gives him that little bit more in terms of uh, his ability running at players, um, getting to goal scoring positions and, and also getting running in behind and stretching the opposition. So there's a little bit more to it. I think Alain's been good. Um, Decore's been good the last couple of games. So defensively, that, that shows. Um But yeah, they're on the right track again, you know, because there was talk about, you know, that um, it was just a, a great start to the season, but now we're seeing the real Everton. Now they've got quality players. They you don't forget they've had their injuries as well, especially in the fullback position. So um, I think this is a big result that will give them belief because Leicester are a good side, and Leicester are the team that will they believe they'll be in the top four and pushing for that position. And for Everton to beat them at their ground, that's a big result. Richarlison. I mean, Kassler Schmeichel, Thomas won't be happy with that goal, I would imagine. But just the areas Richarlison was in um, sums up where Everton are at when they're, they're attacking best too, doesn't it? Yeah, no, you, you saw an, an immediate impact after he, he sort of came back from, from injury. Uh, yeah, looking at that goal, I think it was just a half a step. I think Schmeichel stayed in his position. Uh, he did move with Richarlison as he sort of went across uh, the 18-yard box and, and then... You know, yeah, he'll be disappointed with it, but it, it proves the importance and also the importance of, of good management. I think, you know, um, Ancelotti realizing that James is, you know, maybe needs a wake-up call. Um, he maybe he needs to see uh, uh, some more work out of him, um, and then to make a tough decision from a, you know, putting a star player on the bench. Um, so, is he that's also the- or is he is he <clears throat> dropped uh, because? He wasn't even on the bench, so okay. yeah, right. I'm I'm not 100 percent sure that uh, what what's happening there because th- there wasn't really much talk. Was there, Dave, of him being out injured? Carlo Ancelotti says he he wants to adapt in the future with James Rodriguez back in the side, but they've had to do without him with a calf injury in these two clashes. So it will be interesting to see how he faces him back in. Um, and I guess the injury as a coach, the injury does provide him with a little bit of a window to soften the decision too, as well as he integrates him back in. Yeah, definitely. It's it's an easy choice then because they weren't getting results and there was a lot of talk about... Uh, but it, it does add that bit of pressure because... You know, everyone's now going to say that they're better off without him. You know, Sigurdsson's come in. He's done a good job. Um, so, Iwobi's played a little bit higher because he had been playing in the wing-back position. So, look, I'm sure Ancelotti, like Thomas mentioned, with his experience, he knows how to handle these situations better than anyone. And they're just happy to that they've picked up, you know, six points off the last two games. Early this morning, Thomas, it was, it was nice... Looking at it from a Leeds fan's perspective, to see their glut of chances finally convert, and they were two all with 25 minutes to go, and then uh, the floodgates opened, culminating with a quite special goal from Harrison late on. Would jump on the Optusport app or the Optusport social accounts to check that out if you haven't. Due reward, I suppose, for Marcelo Bielsa's side, Thomas, given they are they they create as many chances, if not more, than anyone in the competition. 
Yeah, no, I think we, we saw the, you know, what has been really good about Leeds uh, this season and what has been really bad is obviously crosses and set plays. They're conceding another corner and another cross where they had plenty of people back. But then also, I was even more impressed with the second goal from Harrison. You know, the, the control he had, the cross to Rodrigo and the header. I think yeah, that was yeah. probably, yeah, the last goal is a fantastic strike from distance. But, but th that second goal was, in my view, even, even better. Um, and and they are exciting to watch, and and even Newcastle, I thought they they you know they did well. Would be disappointed, but uh, you know Leeds just uh, ran away with it late on, and and the marking again, I think defensively Newcastle will be uh, you know a bit disappointed. A few a few of the, the goals, uh, you know there was there was a, an overload of Leeds players in the box and and uh, missing defenders. I think it was like your second goal that you're talking about thomas it was like watching um, a, a training session where the striker receives the ball sprays it out wide to the winger the winger controls it whips it in and a, and a ripping header it was uh, it was great that rodrigo is now starting to find his feet mm. um, also you know heading the ball for the first goal hit the crossbar and bamford being in the right place this Leeds were bound to do this to someone, weren't they? They were bound to score five goals eventually because they always have, I think, average over 20 shots in a game most of the time. That's how, how clear they get their chances. But uh, like Thomas said, they still have issues at the back. They still concede too many set pieces. I think that's eight in all now. And um, yeah, that's, a, that's a lot of set pieces that you're conceding. They need to get that right. It's interesting, John, because people talk about the sustainability of, say, Spurs being so dogged. Um, and I think any neutral wants to see Leeds' season be sustainable. We know about Bielsa and the toll it takes at the end of the season. But what's it like? I mean, even as a, as a striker, what's it like knowing that, oh, you know, if, if do you go, we are creating chances, it is going to fall? Or do you go, Jesus, if we're, we're still going at five chances per goal or, or, or whatever, does that increase the pressure on you when you start to think, you know, can, can we, this is, this is a lot of work for, for the result? No, uh, look, I think uh, Bamford is not to blame with the, the chances because, look, he, he will need a couple to score a goal, but he's scoring on a regular basis. You know, I think this is the best season that uh, he's probably ever had in mm. terms of his uh, finishing in front of goal. I think it's more around the, the players around. They needed to share the, the weight a little bit. Rodrigo now finding form will help them a little bit. Um, Harrison getting on the score sheet. You know, Rafinha's been on the score sheet in the past. I think once they start to realise that they've got other players to score, they the way they play their football, they, they're going to create chances. But because their workload is so much, sometimes you get in front of goal and you're a little bit fatigued. So your finishing's not as clear. Mm -hmm. um, I think more worrying and uh, is Man City not scoring their goals when they have mm -hmm. over 20 chances in a game or 20 shots at goal. Um, but I don't think we'll be worrying for Leeds as much. That's, they know that's the way they play. They've always played like that. I think Rafinha is actually making a really good influence as well at the moment. And I think it shows you the, the impact Leeds have when you play them. Uh, when Chelsea played them a couple of weeks back, I think Chelsea ran something like six kilometres more than their average or more than Leeds thing to actually beat them. So it just shows you every one of their games is a compelling viewing because you just know there's something going to be happening the whole time. Um, elsewhere this morning, West Ham and Palace, it was a one-all draw there. Christian Benteke uh, scored and got sent off. And Sebastian Haller, check out his goal and overhead um, to... What a ripper. Absolutely yeah, sensational stuff. Game. The other talk... Oh, sorry, go on, John. Yeah, go on. 
No, no, no. Just, I'm, I'm so glad for Haller because we spoke about him last season. He, he did really well in the Bundesliga, but of course, you know, everyone had doubts about how he was going to do in the Premier League. Hadn't really done that well. Just now he's starting to show good form, getting on the score sheet, and uh, that will only give him confidence and give West Ham confidence because they've had a great start to the season and, and uh, good to see Haller on the score sheet. It's good to see some of the mercurial players that many people might have thought might not have fitted David Moyes' blueprint actually getting involved and actually succeeding because if they've got those options, um, given how well they've done so far this season, exceeding everyone's expectations given their fixture list, that can only bode well. But I want to ask you both from an Australian and a goalkeeper's perspective, Matty Ryan wasn't in the squad for Fulham for Brighton against Fulham, still, and still on the bench, Sanchez in the 11. Um, Thomas, what did you make of that decision it's happened once before he's been on the bench this season bounced back came back in um we watched this very closely obviously being our Socceroos goalkeeper what did you make of that and his season so far it's a strange one because normally uh, you know the goalkeeping position um you know you, you, you tend to keep it steady um so unless there's something going on behind the scenes that there's potential movement uh you know, in January, um, that you, you're looking to then, you know, build on something else because it, it's been a bit weird in and out. Um, you know, normally you drop a player and then at least the other person gets uh, five, six, seven games uh, unless unless it just goes totally down the drain. So I don't quite get it. Uh, I think he's had a, a decent season. Uh, potentially, you know, he doesn't fit in 100% in, in what Potter wants to achieve, maybe playing out from the back. Um, but I don't think he's done that much wrong. I think he's been very consistent. Uh, you know, he's got plenty plenty to look back upon over the years where he's he's been one of their best performers. Um, but I know, obviously, you're not, <laughs> you don't know how quickly that is forgotten. Um, but, um, yeah, it's a little bit worrying for me um, or... It's a good thing that, that he potentially will move in January. Um, so so uh, there's some un- unanswered questions there for, from my point of view. Everton also swap their keepers uh, quite often. And, uh, you know, it, it seems that uh, Ancelotti doesn't mind doing that. He's done it in the past. Yeah, I'm a little bit like Thomas, a little bit concerning. Um, let's hope for Matty Ryan that uh, he gets back into the side quickly and, uh, and keeps his place or moves in January to a big club. Yeah, there's no real clarity around that decision at the moment that's going around. It was obviously a bit of a test when he was put on the bench a little bit earlier. Um, I don't think he's got a great save percentage this season, if that's anything to to read into where Potter just wants a bit of a change. But it's certainly a narrative for us to keep watching because he's a he's our one soccer over there. In that interview with Harry Kill this morning, Harry reiterated the fact that he thinks he's capable of playing for a top six club. Um, so a play with immense potential. We want to see him on the score sheet there. Okay, moving on to results from yesterday morning. I'm just going to skip yesterday morning, John. There's nothing to talk about, is there? <laughs> is that because Chelsea <laughs> lost again? Two in a row, Dave? You know what, Dave? I was one. I was jumping on the Chelsea bandwagon saying, you know, this could be their season. Uh, they could be dark horses in the Champions League. But little did I know, they hadn't beaten a side or haven't beaten a top 10 side yet. Yeah. So was it a little bit false, our reading of Chelsea? Um, I'm a little bit as well that Werner's better on the left. They're putting him on the right now. I think on the left, he's, he's best suited in that position. Hmm. He's, he's put Pulisic there in the last couple of games. And this is just a little bit of a dip in form. I'm sure they'll get back on 
the winning ways again. And, you know, this just shows how hard the Premier League is and how hard it is to win football games because, um, you know, Chelsea being tested in the last two games and, and they, they haven't come up with the goods. No, I think... Um... Even with the top 10 stat, I think the Champions League draw also was very favourable to get some momentum and get the pressure off Frank Lampard as well. And Thomas, he was he, he basically turned the screws on the players overnight, said, you know, that the, the foreign signings need to wake up to the pressures of the Premier League, um, that he thought they were naive, essentially, in the way they mismanaged the game and ended up losing 2-1 to Wolves. Um, yeah, wh- where do you see that? Is that top 10 stat? sort of holding you back from thinking that Chelsea can kick on. They've still got something to prove this year. What is it that they do have to prove uh, to crack, you know, results against the bigger clubs? You know, I think they can, you know, they, you know, they a little blip of form now going into the, before the Christmas period, um, you know, I think can be allowed. Uh, but, but, the, but I think the, the warning that, that Lampard is putting out there is like, it has to stop now. You know, now we need to find the consistency that we've had earlier in the season. Um, because you can, you know, if you carry this form into the Christmas period where, where you have four or five games in quick succession, they could, they can be, you know, totally gone by, by that time. But, but thankfully I think there's, there's teams losing around them. Uh, we see Man City, um, you know, you know, it's a tight race, so so they're you know nowhere near out of anything. Um, but but I think they still need players uh, to gel and and uh, have it. So I think it's, it's still been a, a disappointment. Um, yeah, and Werner, he needs to pick up his form. Um, so overall, I think it's not doom and gloom, but you know they they need to wake up quickly. And I think that's that's why Lampard went out there and, and gave a little bit of a a shot across the bow. How long do you stick with Havertz, John? Um, and and. Do you have any insight into sort of what it is like trying to acclimatize to a brand new competition from, from, from when you went over to England? I don't know if that applies, but for all the hype, he has found it particularly tough. It, it is very hard. You know, don't forget, he, he, he virtually was, uh, you know, Leibniz, who's a youngster. So, he, he, you know, obviously the language uh, is his uh, natural uh, language, he knows the players, knows the way of football. And then when you go to a foreign country, people don't realise that, uh, and Thomas will, will say the same thing, you know, you have to sort out your, your apartment or house. Um, you have to sort out if you've got kids, you know, sending them to school. Um, you know, all these little things do add up. You walk into a change room, you only know one or two players. So, you know, it takes time to fit in, to find your feet. Um, it, it takes time to understand the, the difference in styles of football. Um, people think, you know, football, it's, it's the same all around the world. Referees make a big difference, you know. So, you know, the, the actual pace of the game can change because the referees let a, a lot go. You have to give him time because he's got quality. He's only young. Um, and, you know, I think Frank will handle it quite well. He'll, he'll, he'll you know, rest him when he needs to rest him, put him back in when he needs to give him confidence. He will come good. I, I have no doubt about it. But, you know, it does take time. Sometimes it can take a foreigner up to a year to adapt, mm. you know, not only to the league, but to the country in itself. And, um, you know, when you're used to eating your German sausages and then all of a sudden you can't find them anymore. You don't know how that affects someone. I think that's it, John. I think that's it. <laughs> we found it. 
it's uh, so it's simple. One of, <laughs> it can be so simple. <laughs> I remember, like, I went from Italy to England, and I couldn't find a good Italian restaurant anywhere. So that was uh, I had to go. That I was in Portsmouth at the time, and I had to travel to London <laughs> to get a good plate of pasta, other than my wife's, of course. So it, it does take a little bit of time for players to settle into to a country and. Frank's touched on it already before about the, I think three, four weeks ago, he's trying to buy time for his players. Um, but now he's, the results aren't there and he's, he's put it back on them. So it'd be interesting to see how they react. Hey, by the way, um, Thomas, uh, Raul, Raul Jimenez, you know, he's out for Wolves. They've been struggling to score goals. Neto, Potence, superb. Yeah, I mean, Neto uh, should be, should have been in a bit of strife for his uh, simulation late on, but he, Just- he, just on that that second goal, Thomas. Do you think that uh, and and Mendy's been brilliant. I don't want to criticise him too much. Do you think that he could have done a little bit better there? Yeah, potentially. Uh, but but you know, again, I I know how how hard it is and and how you know how small the, the margins are. Um, so are you, are you thinking about the near post shot or the? No, no, I'm, I'm, the, the near post shot got deflected. I'm thinking yeah, they got deflected. How, how he's come out, and uh, you have to say that uh, Neto's on a bit of an angle, and he's he's hit it low and hard. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, and, yeah, and it yeah, does skid, yeah. but it's quite close to his body. Is, yeah, is he, uh, you know, yeah. I, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure that. I think he could have done better, and I'm asking yeah, a yeah, keeper that's yeah. played at that level that uh, will yeah. will have more of an understanding than me. Yeah, and I think he just gets caught because sometimes you get caught in between. Do you go with your feet? Do you go with your hand? Uh, and and there's a, you know, it, some shots leave you with no choice. Like if, if it's a bit further out, but the ones that are sort of in and around and close to you, it it, it comes down to a split decision of what what you're gonna do. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure strikers should I head it? Should I chest it? Should I? You know, and and sometimes. If you if you're not spot on, if your concentration is not spot on at, at that time, you, you might be unsighted. You, there might be something your balance is not quite right. Then uh, you can quite easily look uh, foolish, um, especially with those, you know, where you would say, like you said, it's close to him. He should be able to to parry it, block it, uh, get something on it. Maybe I'm being uh, ultra critical because uh, you know I think if it was Kepper in goals, a lot more people would have questioned it. Um, yeah. be- because Mendy is uh, has had a, such an unbelievable start to the season that uh, not many people were saying too much about it. But uh, you know he also gave away uh, a penalty yeah. the other day that yeah. that cost him. So you know yeah. it's just one of those ones that you know is he making a couple of mistakes and that's what's costing Chelsea at the moment. Well, they're the margins. And it'll be interesting to see actually how he bounces back from his first test uh, of duress, making a couple of mistakes there for Chelsea. So, um, yeah, interesting to see how that develops. Speaking of developing stories, I did not expect this morning to wake up to a push notification from up to sport on my phone saying, sacked, Premier League manager sacked. Who could could possibly have been sacked? Slavin Bilic after drawing one all at Manchester City for big Sam Allardyce. They must do your head in when you when you see stories like that, John. Yeah, it does my head in. I feel for Slavin Bilic. I actually think that on a number of occasions they've been unlucky. You know, they went to Old Trafford, they lost 1-0, but they were decent and they, they didn't deserve to lose 1-0. Um, you know, against the bigger size, they've actually performed well. Um, 
oh, and they go get a result against Man City, you know, and, and perform well. All right, Man City were the better team and had more of the, the opportunities. And then to, to see that he's been sacked, uh, you know what? And bringing Sam Allardyce, you know, again, you know, I don't want to be ultra critical of managers or say that one style of football is better than the other style of football. I'm only going off of what I like to watch. And in my opinion, I can't stand watching Sam Allardyce's teams. And, and I didn't want to see him <laughs> back in the Premier League. And now to see him back again, it's just, oh, come on. Not, I don't want to see it. What did you do, Thomas, when you knew you were coming up against a big Sam coached side? Oh, uh, you know, he, you know, I remember back in, in the Bolden days, I think, you know, he was one of the first managers to incorporate, obviously, st- statistics and, you know, long ball, uh, you know, playing it into certain areas. Uh, uh, you know, again, just low risk. And I think it says more about, you know, West Brom as a club and the people behind the club. You know, I think it's so early to pull that card out of the bag. You know, it, it sort of seems to me panic. You know, survival has been the, the main goal, obviously, for, for Billage as well. But now, you know, it seems like just survival mode because that's what you get with Allardyce. And he has a decent track record, but, but you know he's going to come in. He's going to, you know, play the fitness card. He's going to work on third place. You know, he's going to they're going to be so boring to, to, it's going to be a lot of nil nils, a lot of, uh, they hope. you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, a, and a lot of, uh, you know, you know, so you, you feel for like, uh, you know, a Pereira, like some of these players must be thinking, whoa, what, uh, you know, what's, uh, what, what is it going to look like? I'll be defending for my life and running, uh, you know, three or four kilometers more than I'm used to. Yeah, look, he could still get him out of trouble, but I don't even think that uh, Slavin Village, I think that he could have got him out of trouble two points away from Fulham, who are at the moment in 17th position. Brighton, as well as they've been playing, you know, are still there or thereabouts. There's still five teams that are fighting to stay in you yeah. know, that relegation battle. And it's not like they're Sheffield United that are only on one point. They're on seven points. And with a little bit more luck, they might have taken them to nine or ten. Um, I think it was a harsh decision. Uh, again, I think, you know, Sam Allardyce, of all the experience, probably can save the team. It's just not the football or style of football I like to watch. Well, relatively speaking, the manager with a bigger headache is probably Pep Guardiola because these this is not the Manchester City that we know. And it's now becoming more habitual than uh, one would expect is Thomas is it still a blip or um, is Pep Guardiola's frustration that he's taking out in the fourth fourth official um, there's more to it now isn't there yeah but that that shows his frustration <laughs> you know obviously he knows they're in a bit of trouble and and I don't think it's a blip it, it's becoming a, a little bit of a trend um, yeah. you know uh, you know you got 24 I think or 26 uh, shots yeah, I know Johnston, he, has, he had a good game. But when, when you look at it, you know, I would be very pleased as a goalkeeper to, to, to face those. They, they were within his reach, all of them. They were from open headers, open chances. And they're only you know, really the last five minutes, to hit Thomas, of the game. Yeah. Five, five ten uh, minutes. So. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, uh, it's just too, you know, too little, too, too late. And, and, you know, I think it was fairly easy for for West Brom to 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 contain them to to long range shots and uh, and not really any 
you know, just lacking potency and, and, and probably too much is resting on De Bruyne. I don't, I don't know. It just seems not much else is, is coming. I think that, uh, and we're going back a couple of seasons now, I, I think that uh, they used to catch teams very quickly on the counter as well, uh, City. And, uh, you know, when they won the ball, they used to quickly, um, you know, see if they could play forward. Now they, they can't do that as much because they've really only got Sterling that can do that. Um, you know, Sane has been a big loss from the last couple of seasons. No one's really spoken about, you know, what a massive loss he's been because, you know, he, with his pace, they had that, uh, they could actually counter quick, but also when they had to, you know, build up slowly because the team sat off of them and they got behind the ball, they still had the, the quality to break teams down. Plus, they're not scoring a lot from set pieces, which in the past they did, um, you know, either from direct free kicks or corners, um, so again, you know, they're little things that, that, that add up because if you score off of a set piece and all of a sudden you go one goal up, two goals up, then all of a sudden the other team have to come out and play a little bit and opens up a little bit more. So I, I think that they're, they're, they're struggling to find goals from different avenues. Now it's, it's the same sort of goals that they're scoring or chances they're creating. And that's mainly when the team's already sitting off and it's hard to create those chances on a regular basis or score more goals. Well, the clash with Southampton on the weekend will be really interesting because at least Southampton aren't going to sit off. They're going to have a red-hot crack themselves. But, yeah, interesting to see where Guardiola gets out of this little funk because it's something that we've seen in the Champions League. Even though they've shut teams out, they've had two, three, four times the amount of chances as the goals they've been scoring. And now we're seeing it costing them points in the Premier League too. So there's still more action to come, depending on when you listen to this gag and pot. On Friday morning, early doors at Aston Villa against Burnley. Uh, Sheffield United against Manchester United at 7 a.m. You're gonna set, you might have to set a few alarms during that game, John, if you're going to get up for that one. Yeah, oh, look, I'm looking forward to the Man United one because you know, they, they win that game. All of a sudden, they're on 23 points. And they still got a game in hand. Everyone's saying they've had a shocker of a season, and they could be up there with only two points behind Liverpool. You know, it's amazing, isn't it? But then, knowing Man United, they could go to Bramall Lane and not get the result that they want. So, it's that's a fascinating part of it, and and also to see Sheffield United. How long will mm-hmm. they stick with you know their manager and? And we'll see what they, they end up doing. I hope they don't because he's, he did an amazing job last season and it'll be unfair on him. Yeah, it's been a really unfortunate drop-off for, for Chris Wilder and his side after vying for European honours, really, before um, before COVID hit. But it's been a terrible drop-off. The weekend, I mean, it just doesn't stop. 11.30pm uh, after countdown kickoff is Crystal Palace against Liverpool. Uh, I mentioned Southampton against Manchester City, Everton against Arsenal, Newcastle against Fulham, Brighton against Sheffield United. The week starts with a very tasty, tasty doubleheader. Tottenham against Leicester. And Manchester United reprised their famous rivalry with the Leeds before we see the first sign of West Brom under Big Sam Allardyce against Aston Villa. But I just want to end off this podcast by just uh, just touching on what you spoke about at the start, John. Um, and uh, while we're watching the big game in England, at the same time, Real Sociedad were taking on Barcelona in Spain and a big result for Barcelona against the surprise packets this season. Yeah, that's a massive result because if they didn't win that, then you would say their season was virtually done in terms of La Liga because um, what what's actually helped them is Real Madrid beating Atletico Madrid on the weekend. 
Real Madrid also won yesterday against Athletic Bilbao. Without playing well, they won that game. Um, and then Barcelona won the last couple of games just on the weekend against Levante. Um, Messi scoring a goal. And this morning, you know, that, that's a big result because now it opens up the path for them a little bit. You know, that, that uh, because if they get it right with the players that they've got, um, they could still challenge in La Liga. And uh, I think it will still be between Atletico Madrid, Barca and Real Madrid. I, I don't think Real Sociedad will have enough to go all the way. Um, and so, you know, Barcelona back on track after Laporta put up a big banner. Did you see that banner that he put up? A hundred metres from Real Madrid Stadium, the Bernabeu, that uh, can't wait to see you again because he's going to, he's challenging now to be the, the president again of Barcelona. So it, it's unbelievable. It's not only talking on the field, it's also oh, yeah. off the field with uh, Barcelona you know, president, uh, you know, the, the actual candidacies up for grabs again. The politics in Spain influences what happens on the field as much as the dugout does at times. Thomas, it's uh, those two teams, Barca and Real Sociedad, just to end off with, uh, we got a little taste of uh, 2021 earlier in the week. Real Sociedad play Manchester United in the Europa League. I mean, if you're only going to say so, you're like, oh, really? Um, and <laughs> Barcelona, Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, we've got a lot to look forward to. Yeah, no, two, uh, you know, definitely top clashes. Um, you know, again, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be a tough one for 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 United and and but equally for Barcelona. I think uh, even this this the game this morning. I think defensively they're still giving away you know way too many chances. They still look way too open. And and again, it comes back to so much relies on Messi and uh, you know having to perform and 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 create. And especially in those tight games where, you know, they'll be trying to shut him down. Paris Saint-Germain, I think, uh, Mbappe and Neymar, I think, I think they'll be too hot to handle for that uh, back line of, of Barcelona. Yeah, well, if you missed it, both draws, both reactions to the draws, it's all in the Optusport app. Re, uh, recommences in February next year and uh, there is a lot to look forward to as there is over the next few days and weeks the festive period on Optusport with Premier League is full of football there's lots for us to tuck into we'll be back next week John Thomas thanks so much for your time today on the on the big the big match review great to chat to you both as always thanks always thanks. a pleasure it's been, yeah, it's been great it's good fun and to everyone out there as ever and more than ever with so much football on until the next Gagan pod enjoy your football When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.